before worship, I kind of just felt, yes, Lord, I don't almost, I felt going into worship, I don't almost don't want to release any prophetic words if there comes any. We just want to focus on Jesus, and he just comes and says, okay, now I want you to tweak this. I'm building this into you. I'm saying this. And um, yeah. Who, who, I'm not going to ask a rhetorical question, but I'm sure in all of our hearts, we're like, man, I want to I wanna be used by God. And I, I, I want to I count for God, man. I want to, you know, there's so many times, most of my week or most of all my coffees or conversations, there's, there's one thing that always comes up. It's like, man, what's my calling? You know, what's my plan? What's God's plan for me? What's, what's he calling me to? What's my purpose? Because we all have this, why am I here, you know? We all have that thing. Right, it's just like, just why am I here? And I want to just piggyback on something that, for those of you that were at the 412 conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't, don't worry, I'll give you the overview. But the one guy that preached, Dan Barnard, he said this thing that stuck with me, and I felt like, yo, this is something we need to, this, more people need to hear this thing and understand this concept. And he said, there's a difference between your calling and your gifts. It's like such a basic sentence but as he said it i was like it's so obvious it's, it's 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 actually quite profound but obvious because oftentimes you would think okay what has god given me you know and then that's my calling you know maybe maybe he's giving you a prophetic gift and you're like my calling is to be this prophetic person god's called me to be this or god's called me to be a worship leader or god's gifted me with like a music gift I'm called to be a worship leader, but no, actually not. Those things are gifts to help fulfill the calling. So what is the calling? And there's a lot of things to be said, but the calling is to serve one another. To love one another, but to serve one another. And the gifts are what we use to do the calling. The God-given gifts are our tools to serve one another. Because the moment we understand that, and all of a the sudden there's no more this competition of you've got a better gift than me. or No, no. My gift is just to do the calling. is to serve one another. And I want to read in John 13. Because look, if you do anything on serving, you've got to read out of John 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Isn't it? John, thank you. Thank you, Dean. Amen, bro. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him every, had given everything into his hand. Just, I don't know, I don't know how long this is. <laughs> Sorry. First statement, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew the Father and his identity in the Lord. You will never be able to walk in what God has called you or to operate in the gifts God has given you if you have the strive to want to be something. No, I know what God has given me, I know my place in his house, my identity in him. It starts with what Jesus knew that the Father had given him everything into his hands. It's like, now I know what God has given me, what God said. That he had um, come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Imagine this picture. He got the disciples after a long day of walking. And I, don't, I remember when I was quite younger reading this and just thinking, it's so weird. Why do you want to wash someone's feet? I don't, I don't understand it. And then, I don't know, as I 
got older, wearing pluckies. At the end of the day, you kind of look at the bottom of your feet, and you're like, ugh. <laughs> maybe it's just me, you know, I'm just being vulnerable here. Or um, maybe if you, I had this old pair of pluckies. Uh, they, they broke a while ago. But it was, it, it, they were old. To the point where at the end of the day, I would start slipping around on them, you know. I'm just sorry, it's a bit graphic, you know, it's like, because it's, it's quite dirty there. <laughs> the like, Ugh. And uh, I remember actually starting to wash my feet in the evening, just taking a towel. It's like, yo, this is quite, like, I'm, I'm a morning shower person. You know, some of you guys are morning showers, some of you are evening showers. But just the feeling of, this is the part that got dirty because it keeps me here on earth. And that's the thing that, like, you know, you drive with your feet, you walk with your feet, you do, not drive with your feet, you know, you the pedals. <laughs> I hope. But, and I remember just going, well, this is actually, you know, this is quite a gross thing, a, a little bit, you know, to wash someone's feet. Especially in those days, they would have these sandals, they didn't have tar roads, they just, were just ground. Grondpad, it was often quite dirty. If you, have you ever seen any photo of Israel? It's not green and luscious, you know, it's like just dust and, you know, it's, it's quite, um, it's like just Namibia, probably, I don't know. Um, and it, w- it would have been the custom for whenever at the end of the day you, you would get to a house or whatever happened, whoever would have been the least high up in the rank, if I can say that, would be the person that goes and washes the feet of everyone. So it would be custom that uh, maybe the youngest son or the youngest daughter, whoever, yeah, who of you guys have had this? I know for me, growing up, if my parents, let's say my dad says, we're going to go drive to the shop. If it's just me and him, I'm assuming I'm sitting in the front. If my brother comes with, I don't even go to the front seat. I just climb in the back seat. Because that's just how it works. He's the older brother. He sits, you know, there's this natural understanding of who sits there. Or if there's a lady that comes, you know, depending on the situation, generally the lady would sit maybe in front. Or you maybe you're at a bra. Last night you watched rugby. I'm assuming 105% of you guys did. You're watching the rugby, and there's not enough chairs. Generally, somewhere, there'd be a guy going, like, let the lady sit. You know, there, there's, a, there's a way of things working. So generally, unless the lady wants to sit, you know, maybe on the floor at her husband's feet or whatever. But there's this understanding that the younger guy probably sits on the floor. Or the younger guy probably sits at the back. We're going to the farm. The kid's at the back, and then the, the, the polvasana's binder. You know, the adult's inside the bucky and the kids outside. So there's this understanding of who does the, the fail work or the difficult work. But here Jesus goes, I mean, this is just before he gets crucified, kind of, in Matthew, it's, as the story of where he's close to being crucified. And he goes, man, he's healed people. He has chased out demons. He has, uh, these guys are seeing Jesus, and he goes, let me wash your feet. Now, you can do a whole sermon on being servant leaders and all that, but this is why Peter goes, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I'm very sure, again, Peter, Peter has these moments where he challenges Jesus. Like, Lord, I don't think you understand how this works. You remember that story where Jesus says he needs to go to the cross, and Peter tells him, Lord, I don't think you understand. And then Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan, because he doesn't understand the things of the kingdom. And again, Peter goes like, Lord, mine. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said, you'll never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part 
with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but wash my hands and my head. So now he goes like, okay, Jesus says, if he doesn't wash me, I can't be part of him. He said, okay, well, everything then, Lord. Wash everything with me. Verse 10, one who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to, um, to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who would betray him. Verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on, the outer, um, put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that, that is what I am. So he says, I know I am your teacher. I know I am Lord. I am king of kings. You he's not minimizing who he is. He's not saying, no, no, I'm actually the, the, the one that has to just clean. He says, no, I am who you see I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Now look, I don't think the point here is that we should wash one another's feet physically. I'm not saying next Sunday, we've got a couple of basins here in front and let's all get together to wash one another's feet. This was a practical solution, a practical way to serve one another in a real life issue. Maybe a different example would be, I've washed your car, now go and wash one another's cars. You know, there's something that, just to use an example, we shouldn't get caught up with the, with the feet, not the feet as in... We shouldn't get caught up with the action of washing. The point that Jesus is making is serve one another. Serve one another even to the extent of doing the things that you should think isn't your responsibility. Serve one another to the point of, no, but the, the younger brother can do that. No, 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 you do that. You serve. You do the things. Now, I want to look at just a couple of ways that Jesus, because look, the point is here, Jesus comes and he serves us. You know, the Bible says that, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. But Jesus is the one who serves us. And even to this day, Jesus serves us. And this is one of the things that Dan said. Now, this sounds, I know this sounds like, yo, I can't believe you're saying that. But Jesus still to the day comes and he serves us. And we're going to look at some of the ways he does that. And he almost doesn't even call us to come and serve me. He says, serve one another. He says, love one another. What you've seen me do, do to one another. So if you're going to go, oh, I want to serve God, great. Serve one another. You know, Jesus says, I don't have a scripture here. He says, whatever you do to the least of these, you have done to me. So what Jesus is saying, if you take a cup of water and give it to one, another believer, you're like you serve them to that extent, Jesus is going, oh, you're serving me. It's as if you're giving that coffee or that cup of water to me. You're washing someone's car, it's as if you're washing Jesus' car. So, it's a couple of points how Jesus serves us. I'm going to run just through them quite quickly. I won't spend as much time as I would have. So, firstly, you know, did you know Jesus literally died for us? The way he served us was by making a way for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's by making a way for us. That is him serving us, you know, if Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature... God did not consider equality with God something to be used in, uh, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. In your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ. Kind of going, he's equal to the Father. He is also God. Now, he goes, okay, but I'll, I'll make myself a servant. I'll go low. And then Jesus says, well, then do the same with one another. But he was obedient. He served us even to the point of going to the cross. And if you, if you are a believer here this morning, you need to know that Jesus paid for you. It's as if you walk into this courtroom and the judge, the judge says, you are guilty because you have sinned. We, do you know the Bible says we have all sinned? And if you don't believe me, ask any parent of, the little, of a little child. They're quite, it, it, it just, by nature, they want to sin. Am I right? No, not. They're lovely. Yeah, just smile and sunshine and roses. By nature, you don't need to teach a child how to be selfish. Did you know that? It just happens. You don't need to teach a child how to just think of themselves. It just happens. You need to teach them how to follow God. You need to teach them how to be generous. You need to teach them how to know on the deal. Because everything in them is like, minor. And that's selfishness. That's sin. Or immediately, unfortunately, you're guilty of sin before God. Then you walk into this courtroom and the judge says, you're guilty. And you need to pay. Like, there's, there's a charge against you. And this charge is death. So, I mean, to some extent, you can go and pay that charge, but you'll be dead. You can pay for your sins, but it's going to cost you literally your life, and you'll be dead. Eternal separation from God. Then Jesus said, you know what? I will go and pay that price. I will pay it for you. Then he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come and abide in me. Come and believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus, you'll go, like, wow, he has bought me. The Bible says he's bought us with a price. If you believe that he is Lord, then that means you belong to him. So you cannot just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but do my own thing. I don't know what that guy that said it, but he says, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So if he's not Lord of every part of your life, I'm sorry, he's not Lord at all in your life. If you say, yes, no, I believe in Jesus, and I go to church every, like, now and then, it's not about going to church. But if he says, follow me, we follow him. If you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and he tells you, okay, I want you to give this thing away. Lord, like, I believe in you, but in other ways. But Lord, you're a good father that gives good gifts. <laughs> yes, now give this good gift to a brother. If, not, if everything of you does not belong to the Lord, why call him Lord at all? You know what I mean? How do we call him Lord, but don't act on that? How we, the actions don't follow. If we call him Lord, it means he is Lord, like Yera, the one in charge, the one who owns everything. If he says it, it goes. And we can only do that because he comes. He says, I've paid for you. So that you come. You can come into my presence. Second way. Did you know that Jesus prays for you? Even to this day? Hebrews 7 verse 25 Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them.
for them. Right now in heaven, the Lord is interceding for you. He's interceding for the lost. How does that work? I'm not going to do two hours like on prayer and how does, but even the Lord prays for you. And then with, just before um, Jesus was taking the cross, he goes to Peter and says, Peter, Satan is coming to sift you, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed that you would stand. Now, Jesus' prayer for unity. Father, I pray that they would be one. Jesus is praying. Jesus is asking the Father, come, Lord, do this. And he's serving us by doing that. On our behalf, he's praying and he's asking the Father for, for something. He's asking the Father to come and move. We should be a people of prayer, serving one another like Jesus. Philippians, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Third way is he leads us. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. And it, picture this as a way that Jesus serves you every day. Now, when, the problem is when I say Jesus serves you, you're a bit like, no, sure. You're almost like Peter. No, Lord, you can't serve me. It's because we think of servanthood as this scum of the earth thing. Oh, you're serving me. Oh, yeah, you're serving me. Thank you. It's because we've got the mindset that serving means that you're less than. That's why, if, so I want to say that. If you struggle with the idea of Jesus serving you, it's probably because you're not serving others. Or when you serve others, you think of it as something that's in the way. Or you think of it as, ah, because I'm serving you, I am now your servant, and I'm less than. I am this. Do you, do, you see, do you see what I'm saying? There's this fundamental wrong understanding of what serving means. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie, he leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the um, darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our shepherd. This is the one that leads us every day. He says, I take ownership. I remember having a leader. Uh, he's an elder in, in Paul. He leads to Josh and Paul. Paul. He taught me one thing. That just always stuck with me. He said when he grew up, his dad taught him one thing. It's just, the Lord is my shepherd. And he would take his hand and then just say those five words. And in times where he doesn't know what to do, and at times where he feels in the deepest of pits, or he feels like he doesn't know what's going on, he would take his hand, look at his hand, say, the Lord is my shepherd. And he would just say those things. Because that is the Lord, going into the field, being a shepherd. Look, shepherding doesn't, I don't know, where's, where's all the Lantbow guys? Is any, <laughs> where's Mark? Hey, Ben, no. You like shepherding. Is it quite a, is it standing in the sun, you know, looking at sheep that run away, having to, I, I remember, maybe just a quick story. My dad is quite into farming, um, and a couple of years ago, we had a couple of sheep just outside of Bloom. I'm not quite into farming. Um, I'm more awesome, awesome, I'm more of a city guy, you know. Um, and then my brother, Oya, he also likes farming, but he likes the business aspect of farming, right? So the, the getting sheep, selling the sheep, growing the sheep, 
Also vor, vor ihm ist der Spreadsheet. Der Spreadsheet. Ja. Ja. Und für meinen Vater ist es nur ein Schaf für die Schafe. Usually they would every once a month maybe they would go to the farm and we would need to go and um, spay the scalpen, inject them, uh, give them medicine and stuff. And I remember we would literally have this makeshift crawl where one sheep goes and then we catch one, one of them, we inject them and then they can go out. To make sure we make, if there's 50 of them, we make sure we get all 50 of them. Inject him, he can go out. Inject him, he can go out. And I remember standing in the sun and it's dust, I'm keen, I'm there. And I was on gate duty. So I, I'm, I'm supposed to, if one sheep comes out, you know, this one, yeah, he's been injected, he can come out, and then, so I'm standing there. And then one of the sheep runs out with another one. Now immediately, so he hasn't been injected. The problem now is, we're not going to know which sheep we missed. So we're literally going to probably, uh, what do you do? Now, which one was it? Do we just double inject both of all of them? Do we hope that one doesn't, you know, so it was, and I remember going like, I need to make a plan. The sheep just came out. And the only thing I could think of, was tackle the sheep. <laughs> it just made sense. And I literally ran and rugby tackled the sheep, like full on. It was quite sore. And I tackled it and I held it to the ground. I was like, mm -hmm. and it was like, what? Yo, this is it's quite intense. Like for a city guy, it was, I'm, I'm a farmer now. I tackle the sheep. And my dad was like, oh, congrats. You tackled the sheep. You can now have the sheep. I was like, great. Thanks. I don't know. What do I do with a sheep? <laughs> and, But you know, sh shepherding isn't, not that I was a shepherd, but caring for sheep is not just easy. It's not you're sitting in your office in aircon and doing the, you know, the sheep look great. No, you go into the field and you care for them and you shepherd them. And, and I think sometimes we run out and Jesus comes, you know, gives you a tackle, like, no, I need to care for you. I need to inject you with stuff that's helpful for you. But this is him and he serves us that way. I mean, how many times have, have we disappointed God? And he comes and he says, just come on, I'm, I'm leading you, I'm caring for you. And this is the God we serve that serves us. But then he says in John 13, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. When we look at Jesus, his life is an example to us. His life is an example of how we serve one another. Now, this is where I want to get it with a lot of the words that came out. Now, even the, the chest one. You've got this, this chess, not chess, chess, sorry. This chess piece, you've got this chess game going on. And Lord says, I am the one that moves the pieces. I know I need to move you here for a strategic purpose. So we are only parts on the chessboard. And he's given us all different gifts and abilities and different things. And he says, let me play the chess game. Serve one another. I, you know, he positions us next to one another. He builds the friendships. He moves us around so that we can serve one another. And he gives each of you a different gift to serve one another. But the, the mastermind in us goes like, Lord, I know what you need to do. So hear me out. You give me the gift of miracles, right? And then let me, let me, that's, you know, let me do that. And he says, no, let me give you the gift that I need to give. Because I know what you need. That song, we make room. Lord, that picture of Kayla. Like, we remove everything. Lord, your blueprint, what you want. So let's look at three ways that we could serve one another. You guessed that one of them is going to be the gifts. But before that, Ephesians 6, verse 18. So the first point is praying. We need to be a people that pray for one another. 
So Ephesians 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. James 5, verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, prayerlessness is a sign and a result of pride. And this is something that I've been challenged on a lot recently. I'm like, Lord, I need to pray more. This is, uh, this is such a sign of pridefulness. If I don't sit and pray, honestly, to be honest with you guys, many times I go like, Lord, I, I don't have time to pray now. I need to, go sol- I need to go solve a problem. I need to go sort out an issue. And Lord says, Are you, can you do this better than me? Like, Lord, I, I, you, but I need to go. He says, can you do this better than me? Okay, Lord. Now, it's challenging. Look, I still need to go and speak, and sometimes God uses us to solve the problem, but we need to always pray for one another. And not only when there's issues, just take 10 minutes and, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Just pray for people. Who's ever in your heart? We should just pray for people. Now, when there's a, when we get to, on communities on a Wednesday, tomorrow evening when Russell's here, on a Sunday, are we walking in here like, who can I pray for this morning? Who can I serve by praying for them? It's because we don't realize that prayer is actually an effective thing that we don't pray. How many of us view prayer as something I kind of need to do? Do you know that Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask? Giving the principle that I think he sometimes stands there wanting to move and going like, I'm going to wait for you to ask because I'm a personal God. I'm not just a branch manager that makes sure everything runs. He's a personal God. He says, come, I'm pulling you in. I'm pulling you close. I was speaking to a couple of guys this this week. I said, I think one of the reasons the Bible is so complicated at times is because God wants to pull us in. He wants to pull us down the rabbit hole of theology, you know? Like, the moment you read about this concept of God and you go like, whoa, this is how this works. And then now there's another rabbit trail and now you've got a question about this thing. The more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. Because like, I want to understand more. I want to read more. I want to see God more. He doesn't just make it as manual, great, you understand. He's like, he, pu- he pulls us in. He intrigues us. He said, come, sit with me and try and understand. If Jesus prays for us, shouldn't we pray for one another? If he intercedes for us, even to this day, how can we go like, well, or even, uh, I have done this, I'm sorry. I try not to do it anymore. Someone says you something, like, I'll pray for you. Have you done it? Someone shares something with you. They say they're going through a difficult time, and you WhatsApp them, I'll pray for you, with the emoji. You know the, the hands emoji? Or if you, you know, maybe two of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, probably the, the double prayer. Yeah. <laughs> we do that, but do we actually pray then? <laughs> Honestly. This is just me. I've done it. I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then I just get busy. No, I'll pray for you. Put the things down. Say, Lord, I'm praying now for this person. I remember when I just got saved, I used to voice note people. Someone used to say, hey, I'm going through a tough time. I'll voice note them the prayer. Hey, and I'll send them a voice note as I'm praying. It's a bit awkward. Now they're listening it, but I already prayed it. And they can just keep listening it if they want the prayer again. Probably, I don't. But we need to pray. Be a people of prayer. Secondly, the way we serve one another is using our gifts. I want to get, okay, let's just jump into it. 
Just before I read, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I've got in a different translation here, but I just want to, I want you to just listen. You don't need to follow now. Just one verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. In different translations, for the common good. Did you know that if you go read through 1 Corinthians 12, Paul starts by saying this. Regarding the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he speaks about spiritual gifts. And he says, these gifts have a purpose. God has given each and every one of you, if you are a born again Christian here this morning, God has given you, each and every one of you, at least one gift. And that gift is something that we use to serve one another for the common good. So that that gift is actually not given to you. Maybe a, a, a better way to view it. Gabby and Joel, can you maybe just stand here? I want to use you as an illustration. Don't worry, you don't just... Apparently, it helps a few. So if God gives Gabby a gift of encouragement, the gift of encouragement isn't actually given to Gabby. It's rather given through Gabby. Because the gift of encouragement is to encourage Joel. It is to encourage those around us. So when you think of the gift that God has given you, we, also, we almost need to get into the thinking of, you know, the gift that God has given through me. So the gifts God gives me is actually the gifts God gives you. So the gifts, whatever God has given Gabby, is not actually for her. It's for us. And whatever God has given Joel, it's not really for her. It's for us. Thank you. You can sit. Great illustration. I just thought of. But does that, does that make sense? Because we still get caught up with, what's my spiritual gift? What's the gift that God has given me? And yes, we need to understand what has he given me, but it's not for me. It's for we. I'm great at English. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And I want to say this, we'll look at Romans now, but this list of gifts is not an exhaustive list. Like most, even, look, even the theologians that don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still to today, would also say, well, this, this is not an exhaustive list. But that means that Paul didn't go, well, here's the one of, you know, here's the gifts. You have one of these gifts. Almost everyone agrees that what Paul is saying, he's kind of saying, God has given you spiritual gifts, and then he writes down those that he can think of. Meaning there are, you can have a spiritual gift that's not necessarily mentioned by name in the Bible. And if some of you go like, and you can. What is a spiritual gift? Everything, anything that God puts his spirit on. I think there's people with a, with a gift of music. I mean, it's not in Corinthians, you know, to some, the, the gift of music. No, it's just, some people are just, God has placed a spiritual gift on them just to be able to play music, just to be able to, 
maybe lead worship or just to be able to do something. Some of us have a gift of like just being creative. It's a gift because the gift is there to serve one another. To just keep driving the point home, the reason why, another reason why this is not an exhaustive list is because in Romans 12, you see another list with a lot of the same things, except in this list, some of the things mentioned in Corinthians aren't there, but there's things in Romans that's not in Corinthians. So think of this logically. If I write a letter to Josh Jen Bloom, and I say, here's the gifts, and I only mention like a couple, and then I mention different gifts to a different group of people. If I wanted to give you an exhaustive list of gifts, I would have given you an exhaustive list of gifts. Paul would not have left stuff out in Corinthians and put stuff in in Romans. Does that make sense? That's for me, that's just logical. You don't list a couple of things here and list a couple of things here set for two different people and say, this is all the gifts and this is all the gifts. Then Paul's lying. If he meant that to be all the gifts, then he's actually just lying to the guys. Because why does he leave admin out? Does he look at the Corinthians and like, well, you don't really have the gift of admin, so just sorry. So I want to quickly look at, let's just go through all the gifts. Because it's one thing to, I want to go through these gifts because these are probably the most common ones. These are the things that Paul thought of on the back of his head. He's like, these are the things you would regularly see most in church. First one, wisdom. What is that? A, A word of wisdom. I remember reading through these things having no clue what's going on. Now, what's the difference between prophecy and the word of knowledge and what's a word of wisdom and tongues, how does tongues work? And Wisdom. Wisdom is someone that's, they're able to see the danger before it happens. Have you ever spoken to someone and they always go like, well, we just need to consider this thing as well. You know, that's wise. That's a, that's, that's a wise thing to consider. You know, and there's some of you that's got a, a gift of wisdom. It has, you, you, in a moment, it's like, oh, I've got wisdom for this moment. Now, you speaking to someone, oh, I'm getting bonus. I'm going to spend it on this and this. And then someone with the gift of wisdom says, just remember, January is coming up. And we all know January is January. So just maybe plan ahead. You know, Christmas is coming up. You're going to have to spend there. You're going on all. So there's someone that just carries wisdom. And that wisdom is used to serve us. Have you ever found yourself in a, sp- in a space where you make decisions and you, you stand there and you're like, oh, I'm stuck. I made a mistake. I did not think of everything. You've got 100 kilometers left in your car and you're driving to Kulsberg or something and then all of a sudden you go out of petrol and you're like, oh, I did not think of that. But probably chances are someone with a gift of wisdom would come and maybe let's just fill it up. Now, honestly, this is, this is how basic the gifts are. They're there to serve one another. We shouldn't get all airy-fairy about the gifts. You know, it's the, no, it's practical to serve one another. Sometimes it's spiritually practical to serve one another, if there is such a thing. Second, knowledge, a word of knowledge. What does that mean? Most of us would say a word of knowledge is I'm standing here like someone's got a sore knee. I just had a word of knowledge. It might be that, but to me, knowledge is just knowing stuff. And the way I see knowledge playing out is you, you have an understanding of stuff, of scripture, of, of how things work. And there's people that's got a gift of understanding things. And this is something that's actually been prophesied over my life, like a gift of understanding. And 
when I got filled with the Holy Spirit the first time, it's as if when I read the Bible, I would just understand the stuff. Not everything, because like with every gift, we still need one another. Even with prophecy, we prophesy in part. That's why the Bible says test prophecy. Because even someone with a strong prophetic gift can get it wrong. Now, even someone with a strong knowledge gift can get it wrong. But there are some that just know stuff. And it, it is just. And that thing is there to serve one another. Now, if people have questions. Now, they, I want to say there's a difference between a gift of a word of knowledge and a gift of teaching. They often go hand in hand. But you see a lot of theologians that write articles, and I've, maybe I've watched some preachers or um, read some articles. I have no clue what's going on. I read this thing, and all of this is proper knowledge. It's the right stuff, but the teaching gift is not there. So it's the correct stuff, but I have no idea what's going on. It's, it's not getting conveyed correctly. Like, you know, they don't have that gift to convey it properly. But then you get someone maybe with a word of knowledge gift, like a knowledge gift, and a teaching gift, and it just blows your mind. And we need to acknowledge, you know, where are those people? Let's lean from them. Because if I know I'm lacking in certain areas, I can lean on those that have the gift. Faith, how's, how's about faith? There's a, people with the gift of faith, they've got this deep knowing and understanding that God will come through. And I, I want, as I go through these things, I want you to ask, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me. Show me which, which gifts have you given me. And I might be reading some of the stuff and God just pops something completely different to your head. As I'm like, ask the Lord. I don't want to just preach this and then, great guys, the gifts, and then go home. No, we, we need to put these things into practice. But faith. Now, when, when someone with a gift of faith prays, things happen. Now, have you seen, I'm sure some of you might start to think, who's, got, who's those guys with the gift of faith? Because it's just, when you're around them, they encourage you to want to have faith. When you're around someone with a gift of faith, you also want to see God move. You might be going like, I don't know, I'm going to get through life and you know, everything is tough. And then there's someone with a gift of faith and you're like, yes, God can. The more you rub shoulders with someone with a gift of faith, the more you're also like, yes, God can. And that's the gift serving one another. To use an example, I mean, Timba, I think you've got a gift of faith, amongst others. But I remember once, to use a use story, right? I remember once having a coffee with him, and we were chatting. I mean, I don't think you can remember this. And I said, okay, I need to go now. Let me pray for you, and I pray for him. And he says, oh, well, can, I, can you pray for me as well? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm not going to say no for prayer. And he just starts praying randomly out of nowhere. He's like, Lord, would you just bless him financially? And I was like, amen. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. <laughs> but, I mean, we didn't chat about fine. You know, it was just a, like, cool. Thanks for the prayer. And I'm driving and need to go and do something. I kid you not, a half an hour later. Someone phones me. Hey, I just paid a thousand rand into your account. Just felt the Lord saying, I was like, bro, you need to pray for me more. <laughs> 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 so if you need finances, just let him pray for you. <laughs> now, it's not about that, but it's something of a faith. Just knowing. Then I, I, I did a whole preach on faith. Faith is hearing what God's saying. And I, so the people with the gift of faith just kind of know what the Lord is doing. There was faith in that moment for him to pray for finances. Because God was sitting there going like, I want to give Paul finances. I pray for him. Break it open. So you pick up what's in God's heart because you know faith comes by hearing the word. 
word of God, like God speaking to you, or, you know, whatever that thing is. So people of faith kind of just know this is what God is saying, this is what he's doing. And notice who those people are on. Get in, like, get in there, man. Spend time with those people. You'll see your faith increases. Healing. Someone like Peter. Peter is in Bethlehem for obvious reasons. His girlfriend is there. So he joined Hoya on a ministry trip. <laughs> no, no, he did. It's just convenient, you know. <laughs> it's great. Um, no, a gift of healing. Just, man, always wanting to pray for people to get healed. If someone walks in here with a little cough, do you go, honestly, to be honest, my first instinct is sign your tab. Get a sign your tab, bro. You've got a headache, drink a panadu. I, I just, that's my instinct is just to go to, let's solve the problem. And I know these Sanyu tabs solves every problem. You know, <laughs> me and Gabby have a laugh. I, I think Sanyu tabs are great. I use them for any, everything, tummy aches. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I just, I've just always kind of used them. <laughs> but someone with a gift of healing, if someone has a slight cough, they go like, let's pray for them. Isn't it? Because there's probably a gift there. And that's great. We should, it's great if we all pray. Look, I, I try and pray more for people for healing. I just don't know if I have that gift. It doesn't mean I'll not pray, but someone with the gift, it, it, it's, how do you know if you've got a gift or something? It's the thing that burns inside of you. It's the thing that you always want to do. It's the thing that you always lean to. If I go through every, everyone, I give you a paper and I ask you, what's the one thing that we can do more of in the church? That's the question. I'm going to get a lot of different answers. Right? And if you ask me, Adams, what will be my answer? Teaching, Bible study, something, uh, probably something like that. You see, he knows me. Because, uh, uh, you know, if, if people say we need more outreaches, I'm like, yeah, it's great, but let's, let's sit and read the Bible together, guys, and let's wrestle through. And that's the thing I always feel we need more of. It's because there's a gift of that thing. Now, someone once said, if you've got the vision, you get the mission. And, uh, so if God has placed something in you, it's because he wants you to use that thing. If you're sitting here and you're thinking like, yo, we need a new venue. We'll build one. God's given you the object. <laughs> now if you're sitting here and like, and let me use an example. I, I, I sound in AV. I'm not aiming at this. Yeah? But if you're sitting here like, oh, maybe we can have AV different or we need, it's probably because God has given you a gift of practically understanding how we can change things and work. So don't sit and oh, we need to do this. Yeah, no. It's probably because you've got the gift. If you're, if you're listening to the sound and like, oh, we could tweak that thing, or it sounds a bit like this, because God's giving you the ear to hear how we can change things. Same with gift of healing. It's, you know, it's those people that they've got a proper, probably like a high strike rate, right? For when they pray for people, there's healing. Miracles. You know, people with a gift of miracles, I mean, what does that even mean? I, I, I think it's something that we're lacking in completely. We need more miracles, but it's probably stuff like, like quite hectic miracles. I think there's a, there's a difference between a healing and like someone with a gift of miracles. And that's the type of people where someone dies and they pray for them and they get resurrected. It's like, yo, intense. Or it might even be just signs and wonders type things, you know. As we pray for people, there's just, you know, there's some people, I, I know for me when I, to be honest, when I'm, we, we often, every start of the year, we go to an elders camp in, in Wellington, and there's often these calls like, if you want prayer, or if you want to be, you know, you want to be filled with the Spirit again, you know, go to the front, and we, because we want to make sure that we're filled, 
I don't know, attitude to you as well, but I remember standing there in front going like, I really hope that God prays for me. Because <laughs> when he prays, it seems like stuff happens. <laughs> now look, I know God can move through anyone, but there's people that just have got this gift of, like a power gift of just miracles happening. I don't know how it looks. I'm not going to teach on miracles now, but it's just, if you think you've got faith to pray to see miracles happen, go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Literally, the worst can happen is nothing. You pray for someone and nothing happens. Great. Move on. Or something happens and it's like, wow. I can't believe God just did a miracle. And now, yes, I understand it's God that does the healing and it's God that does. But also he's given, look, this is a gift. If someone's got a gift of healing, it's like, just pray more for people. It's probably because you're not praying that you're not seeing the healing. I don't I don't want to get too technical, is it you that healed? Yes, it's God and it's God's power, but he's giving you the gift to do it. I don't teach and then afterwards going like, it was all God. Yeah, but it's something he does in me, but I did the teaching, you know what I mean? We get all spiritual about certain things because we're afraid to just pray. If God's given you a gift, use the gift. Prophecy. No, it's just people that's able to see what God is doing, able to hear what God is saying and convey it. Distinguishing between spirits. Now, I remember reading this slide, and you hear a lot of people say, well, distinguishing between spirit is knowing what's from God and what's not from God. I kind of got like, no, every Christian should do that. Uh, honestly, if, if, you, if only those of a gift are able to know is this God or not, I'm worrying because then we, let's, let's say Dean's got the gift of distinguishing between spirits. We should create a WhatsApp group, and then we all just send you, is this God or is this not? No, that's a dumb idea. You're supposed to hear from God. Is, you know, you, we all, as a Christian, you should know, is this God, is this not? That's basic. But thing, distinguishing between spirits is knowing, what is at work here? And I remember wrestling of this, and then earlier the year, we went on an outreach to Ireland, and I saw firsthand, for the, I believe for the first time, Someone that's got a gift of discerning between spirits. We were busy doing deliverance, and the lady was just kind of like, there's a spirit of this. And I go like, what? I have no idea what's going on. But she picks up, this is, this is the attack of the enemy. This is the spiritual thing we're dealing with now. And as she mentions the things, it just brought clarity. Because that's a tactic of the devil, to confuse, and she just comes, no, this is what we're dealing with. And as you call it out on name, you name it, and goes like, ah, now we know what we need to work on. Now we know who our enemy is. Now we can counter that thing. Does that make sense? No, and that thing would manifest in the same way. And it's often the people that you kind of just send stuff. You pick up stuff. You would walk into a room and it's like, I, all of a sudden I kind of feel depressed. It's, I don't know. Look, it might just be you. Yeah. Or you might have the gift and you're picking something up. You're discerning. You're discerning something is not right here. But you need to train that gift so that you can discern what's the thing that we're dealing with. But honestly, we need more guys with that gift because I sometimes don't know what's going on. And we need the guys with the gifts going like, this is the spiritual thing that we're dealing with. So the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against evil spiritual pr principalities and powers. You know? So our battle is not against, it's the spiritual battle we're facing. And we need those that are able to look into the spiritual and say, this is what God is doing. This is the enemy we're facing. If, you know, you, you might know it's you by you having a lot of dreams often, often just feeling stuff, and channel that thing correctly. Tongues, I'm not going to speak about tongues a lot. You've seen that this, someone brings it, the unknown language, 
they speak in it. I would say there's a difference between speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. I would land strongly on that there's a difference. I believe every Christian can pray in tongues. And then there's a difference between the gift of tongues. And we can go for hours reading through 1 Corinthians 14. But not the point. Some of you, and you've seen it. Like, was it last weekend? Martin, you brought a tongue. If you're wondering how that works, ask her. Just, I don't know. You just didn't. I think I've got a tongue. You go and whoever's leading the meeting does this. And you're standing there. I have no idea what to do. But you just pray. And you kind of hope. And often you see, okay, God is speaking through. I've heard of people that, that has a, literally went into a, a country where they don't know the language. And they're just walking and they just want to pray. And they just start praying in tongues. Loudly, not shouting, but just out loud, walking, praying in tongues. And then the tour guide literally went like, you st- and then the, the lady was literally saying stuff, uh, prophesying stuff of his life in his own language. So you're walking all of a sudden on someone in your own language that's not supposed to know it. Speak stuff that they're not supposed to know anyway. Kind of going, you know, speaking what God says. And that guy ran away and later came back like got saved. It's just crazy because God broke through. Uh, that's a miraculous gift. We probably won't see that gift operate here because we all speak English. Why, you know, why do you need, you know what I mean, like that physical, actual known language. Or maybe, look, if you feel it, maybe there's someone here that speaks Portuguese and you're praying and it's Portuguese and they hear it. And These things we see in the Bible. But it's because we're afraid to operate on things that we don't see the things. If you've ever wondered, why don't we see more miracles or why don't we see more things, you know, um, healings, or, it's because, probably because you're not praying for it. Firstly, step out. Why aren't we seeing more salvations the way that you evangelize lots? I know for me, I go like, oh, I want to see more salvations. The Lord goes like, no, then share the gospel. Okay, Lord, okay, sorry. Get an obvious inter- interpretations of tongues. Interesting, the gift of, inter- it's the gift of interpreting tongues, not translating tongues. Right? You go study to translate something. You've got a gift to interpret something means you don't necessarily know what it means. You, or you don't know what it says. You just know what it means. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, I'm going to skip a lot. Of this. Let's just quickly read Romans 12. I'll bring it to a close. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Now Paul is saying, like, God has given you a gift, but use it to the full extent that God has given you the ability to use it. So if you've got a gift of prophecy, use it with, what's the word speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Because there's some of you with a strong prophetic gift, and then when we pray for someone, it's like, Lord loves you. No, man, step out, be specific. What is God saying? The Bible says, test every prophetic word. So if you get a prophetic word, test it. Okay? So don't be afraid of missing it if you've got a prophetic gift. And if it's a bit risky, maybe take a leader with. And if it's a bit risky, tell the person, remember to test the word. The testing of the word is not your responsibility. If you didn't know that. If I give Joelle a prophetic word, it's her responsibility to test the word. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Have you, yo, 
We need more, you know, if you've got a gift of encouraging, like, you know, be a bit more encouraging. You know, there's nothing worse than speaking to someone, honestly, because I'm quite a cynical guy often by nature, but like speaking to someone and the first sentence, you're just discouraged. You know what I mean? Oh, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a church camp. And then there's always, yo, well, I don't know, camping in this. And it's a bit like, oh, it's not encouraging. Versus, no, come on. Like, oh, yes, that's great. And look, we need to have the wisdom guys so that we make sure we do it well. But make sure it's encouraging. Make sure it's encouraging. There's an Afrikaans saying that I wouldn't say now. Build up, don't break down. Be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. People with a gift of giving often have the means to give. So I'm not saying if you're rich, you've got a gift of giving. But if you're rich, you probably have the means to use the gift of giving. And it says give generously. Because again, what God has given you is not to you, it's through you. If If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Speaking of leadership and mercy. Then there's other gifts that get mentioned. Administration. Did you know there's a gift of administration? Carmay, did you know that there's a gift of administration? Did you? <laughs> She's got a gift of administration. But there's also the, the, the word administration which speaks of a, a steering a ship. It's like knowing how to administrate something, make stuff work. And we need these guys, you know, how can I make this thing work? I think there's people with, you know, the Bible speaks of hospitality gifts. Some of you have got a gift of hospitality. Use that gift. Invite people in. Use your home for community. You'll find if you've got a hospitality gift, people probably like having community at your home because there's a gift there. The reality is this, if you do not have a teaching gift, people probably won't ask you a lot of questions. You know, that's just how it is. You know what I mean? So if you've got a hospitality gift, that's probably, you know, if your community leader is always like, can we have community at your house every time? And you're like, sure. It's probably because you've got a gift of hospitality. Maybe. Or you've got a big home. (laughs) Big enough to hold community. Whatever it is, use what God has given you. Maybe you don't have a hospitality gift, but you've got a gift of an actual house. (laughs) Use that thing to serve one another. Then I think there's guys that got a gift of music. Honestly, I think there's a lot of you guys that's as gifted to lead worship or to do music. Man, use that gift. And I want to land with this. Whatever gift we have is we need to fan it into flame. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, fan into flame the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands. What does fanning into flame mean? Can you imagine the picture? I'm sure it has happened to you. We're in Bluefontein. We enjoy braying. And you go to the shop and you buy wood or charcoal, or let's say wood, and you light the fire and it is struggling. I mean, you bought the worst wood you could get in blue. It doesn't take. It just doesn't. So now you stand there with a paper plate the rest for the next half an hour going. Like <laughs> 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 Have you done that? Yeah. Yeah. 
or you go fishing, and you now there's no other options. So for the next half an hour, you're gonna blow fan this thing into flame. Likewise, Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God has given to you. Did you know the more you fan something into flame, the bigger the flame can get? So two things: the flame can only get as big as the amount of fuel you have. So if you've got three pieces of wood, the flame can only get, you know, a certain, like, probably this big, I don't know. Versus if you have two big packets of wood, you can probably get a big fire. But the reality is this. Let me use you two guys. Jacobus with one big pack of wood versus Quirtzen with three wooden logs. You know, that's a, you see the picture. Quirtzen can have a bigger fire than Jacobus. If he doesn't fan it into flame, he might have more, like the more ability, he's got the capability of having this massive fire. But if he does not take that responsibility in his own hands to fan into flame the gift that was given to him, Kurtzen might stand with his little three pieces of wood and like, yo, my fire is bigger than yours. Not that it's a competition, but you see what I mean. So don't, what I'm trying to say is, there's some of you here this morning that you've got packets and packets of wood for this specific gift that God has given you. But you've not even started the fire. You've not even started fanning it into flame a little bit. So do not look at someone that has a flame and say, I'll never be like that. You don't know. You don't know what God can do through you. How do you know? You're looking at someone prophesying like, oh, yo, Gabby bringing a song. How will I ever shake when I hold the mic? How will I ever, I, I don't know. Let's see what God can do through you. So just because you're not there yet does not mean you can't get there to the extent of the gift that God's given you. So I'm trying to encourage you to just start using the stuff to serve one another. Just start stepping out to love one another by serving one another. 